0: Kindra is where they make their mark.
1: This is the time where you've got to turn the table, you've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. A goal from your man. Catch that if you can
0: Hello there and welcome to our match preview podcast. Callum Williams as always alongside former golfer soccer star Kendra D. St. Albin. Packed show for you today. We'll be talking all about the headlines across the world of Major League Soccer. We'll even talk about some of the new transfers that have happened, the likes of Brad Smith heading back to the Sounders. And we'll talk to the newest signing for Minnesota United. Kai Kamara joins us in the second segment of the show. But first, Kate, lots to break down. Let's start with the game in Houston. Um, I think it's safe to say there was an element and a feeling of what might have been for both sides. There were enough chances for either side to win it. But ultimately, Minnesota will be happy taking a point away from a very difficult place to go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, Adrian, when he said post-game that if you would have told us that we were going to go on the road to Houston for the second time in, what, a, a matter of days or two weeks and get a point on the road and come away with a draw he would have been pretty pleased with that especially the way they performed last time they went to Houston and and getting beaten 3 nothing and and their lack of results on the road of late so I think if you would have said that then um he would have absolutely taken it but yeah I mean the fact that you go up 2 nothing early and you get some nice goals you get some good play you really feel like you were shutting down the Houston midfield and keeping them relatively contained. Both goalkeepers were coming up with some massive saves. Minnesota had some posts, um, had some chances. So, you know, it's like this weird combination of an element of disappointment that you could have probably gotten more from it, but at the same time, if you would have been told previous that you take a point on the road in Houston, you would take it. So I do think it's a good result for Minnesota. They were down to 10 men late in the match. Um, again, you're contending with the conditions, with the elements, still have a ton of injuries on the squad so I think if you can go on the road in this situation and get that point you're going to take it and it's a massive quick turnaround to you know to face the top team in the league so good things for Minnesota and hopefully a little momentum
0: Two goals came from individuals where, I don't know if it's harsh to describe them as the supporting cast, but I think since the inclusion of Reynoso, that's perhaps the best way to describe them because it has really been, Kindred, Reynoso driving the bus for Minnesota United and creating so much. How much do Molino and Lurd benefit from Reynoso and, and how much did they on that particular evening?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when Tyler Miller dubbed it the Reynoso Effect in one of the first broadcasts he was on with us, it really is true because unfortunately for Reynoso, he hasn't gotten on the score sheet from a goal scoring perspective. He nearly did with that beautiful free kick he set piece he had the other night. But you know, it's one of those times where you can just tell why by the way he plays and the way he creates and the movement off the ball. I mean, this is I'm just talking right now about times where he's not even touching the ball, just what he's creating by his movement off the ball. And then when he actually has the ball at his foot, his passing ability, the weight on the pass, splitting the defenders. And Adrian Heath was right in the sense that, you know, as long as you make the right run and run and you make yourself available in some way, shape or form, he will find you. You don't even have to be wide open. He just has to have the ability and he does to get you the ball. So then if you can do the rest of the work, once you get the ball at your foot in those good positions, then it, you're going to f- find success. But the Renoso effect is a real deal. You can tell Kevin and And Robin, you know, really enjoy playing with him. I don't think Robin had his best game. He didn't look as quite as sharp and lively as he has in in some of the other matches more recently. Um, You never know what's going on with these guys and the tired legs and niggles and issues they're dealing with and traveling on game day. But nonetheless, he got the goal. He made a beautiful run. It was a great pass. There's so many good things that are coming from Emmanuel Reynoso, and I think it's just going to continue to get better. And this was finally with a full week of training together. So you're going to see that chemistry continue.
0: Yeah, and it didn't help as well the fact that Minnesota, like everybody else has to during this COVID world, flew down to Houston on the same day. I think there were one or two players that pulled up a little bit, and I'm sure the travelling didn't help. Kevin Molino was one of them. We're, we're still yet to understand the extent of that injury. Somebody else who, who came off with now what I'm being told was was a precautionary pull um, was Baki Dibassi. Came off at halftime with Minnesota leading by two goals to nil. Jose Aha, a more than worthy replacement. He's been fabulous for Minnesota when he's been called upon. Um, backy debassi once again was stern, was solid, but Houston got themselves back into the game with two goals in the second half. Okay. How did that happen, and what went wrong for Minnesota?
1: Well, you know, I think first of all it was a moment of brilliance from Darwin Quintero with the chip and. You know, we've seen him do that time and time again. So it's tough for me to really in that circumstance fault the defense, fault the goalkeeper in that situation. Dane St. Clair comes off his line after he kind of makes the initial um, the initial save, the initial motion towards the play. He's falling forward and he can see exactly what Darwin Katero is going to do at that moment. And he puts his arms up, tries to make himself big. Boxy's heading back to the goal line, knowing what Darwin's going to try to do. And you can't, I mean, it's a beautiful goal. The touch on that, the ability. To do that in real time, one touch, put it under the crossbar, be accurate, that takes a real skill. So I I don't know if we can necessarily fault the defense in that situation. And um, I do think on the second goal, I think that's an opportunity where Maynard, Figueroa, that's just falling asleep from a defensive standpoint. Again, Dane St. Clair makes the first kind of save between the crossbar, the post, whatever it kind of hit with the combo of Dane. And you got to be m- more alert and ready on the rebound and the second chance. And nobody marked Maynard Figueroa coming in for basically a- an easy goal um, on the back post. So that's a situation where I'm sure Adrian Heath wouldn't be pleased. But I don't think that, um, you know, and, and and DeBossi was great. I think he stepped right in once again, didn't miss a beat. You can tell his energy, his ability, um, again, with the ball in his left foot, being able to play Chase Gasper cleanly being able to find players up the line with that, left foot on the left side of Michael Boxel, but um, I don't think that I can say, well, Houston got back in the game with two goals because now Jose Aja was in the mix and there was something amiss from a defensive standpoint, because I do think Jose Aha has been really good this season. He stepped right in for Ike Opara, which is a huge hole clearly as the MLS defensive player of the year. And it was more just, you know, Um, a moment of brilliance from Darwin Quintero and a moment of switching off from a marking perspective on that opportunity by Maynard Figueroa and Houston has looked good this season. They've looked good on the attack. They found a way to get goals. They found a way to be successful and they didn't give up. So two, two draw in the end down to 10 men in the 88th minute. I think it was that Jan got the red card and, um, now it's kind of about turning the page on short rest and trying to figure out what you're going to do against a Columbus Crew you know, team that sits at the top of the table of the entire league.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about Columbus Crew a little later on and particularly with our new guest, Kai Kamara, in the second segment. Um, Minnesota came close several times as well, Kendra. The woodwork was struck twice. Once uh, from Emmanuel Reynoso. Had that goal have gone in, I think um, you would have heard the squeals across Minnesota for sure. Uh, and Kevin Molino, um, very unfortunate as well. Lovely ball in from Robin Lord on the left-hand side. So there was an element of misfortune for Minnesota.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think the beauty of, again, this offense and the, what we're seeing now is that there is more of a threat going forward. I mean, there was a bit of that lacking, I think, at times because of you get the ball in the final third and then you're possessing it around the edge of the 18 and you're like, wow, this possession is really nice, but who's going to be the one to break the line? How are you going to get through to that next level and create that chance. And Robin Lud to Kevin Molino, I mean, that came on the break in a transition moment. But now we see Robin on the left and we see that favored left foot and how he could just curl it around that back line. And Kevin Molino was waving his arms the whole time, wanting that ball, knowing that he was going to you know, try to get on the end of it and just missed by a half a step, couldn't quite get there and ends up coming up with an injury in the end, which we hope is not too serious. But you could almost tell by Kevin's reaction, he didn't look too pleased about it. Um, but yes, chances created. Emmanuel Reynoso, set piece. You know He's been highly touted as a fantastic set piece taker. And I think now it just really does give you another added element because you got Jan with his right foot with set piece opportunities, Renoso with his left foot with set piece opportunities. It gives you choices. It gives you options in that attacking third of the field on set piece chances, depending on which side the ball is sitting at um, and what you're trying to go for.
0: One area that Minnesota United are extremely short in, and it's the reason why they've gone out and gotten Kai Kamara, is the centre-forward area, Kindred. To our knowledge, Aaron Schoenfeld was only really able to play for a handful of minutes. He wasn't really fit at all after missing a handful of games with a calf injury. So that meant Mason Toy led the line again. Um, I think it's safe to say, once again, not his best outing. Um, but from a, a positive point of view, he started the last five games. You would assume, you would hope that he would have learned a lot in that spell.
1: You know, I'm really really kind of lost right now as well with Mason Toy. It's a bit of a conundrum to me. And without being able to speak to the player directly and um, really get a feel for where his head is at, You know, it's hard for me to understand exactly what's going on. And we are not at training. And that is a huge difference for us because how many times over the last four years, three and a half years, have we been able to glean so much from training, the interactions, the extra work that's being done after practice? And and Mason Toy is no stranger to putting in the work. He's there after training every day when we were at training, putting in the time, trying to learn from Ian Fuller. You know, Ian has spent countless amount of times working with him. I'm sure they're watching film, but we see him on the pitch. And I don't know, you know, and he is still young. I get he's 21 now. And so by other places in the world, he's old. But by Minnesota United and MLS standards and coming out of college, he's still young. And I just think he's at a loss right now. I think he's really struggling within his own mind and his own abilities and his own confidence to make the right decisions on the pitch. And it is a very tough task when you're in your own head, we can all sit here and tell ourselves, don't think, don't think, but then you're thinking about not thinking. (laughs) And it's just like a vicious cycle. And right now he's just not making the right decisions on the runs. He's not, you know, in my mind, and when we rewatch some of these games and we're, we're seeing them live is he's just not making the right decisions at the right times for the right runs. And I just, part of me feels bad for him because I do think he's in his own head so much right now. And he wants to do well. He wants to help the team. He wants to contribute. He wants to score goals. And it's just, he's stuck in this rut right now. And it's a vicious cycle. And I thought maybe that one goal was going to snap him out of it. But you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard being a professional. It's hard being young in this league. It's hard trying to, fill the void and listen to all the different voices that are telling you different things. And I think that's the struggle with Mason Toy right now. I think he has the physical ability. He has the soccer ability. I just think he's not, it's not clicking for him right now. He's not making the right decisions and he's lacking some confidence.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Mason Toy looks very short on confidence at the moment. Um, Let's go towards the dying end of the game where Jan Gregus was given a red card. Um, There were a lot of complaints towards how the officials managed this game. Uh, And I I think having watched the game back, I I think looking at the highlights, they're they're probably fair complaints because there wasn't really a major element of consistency. Having said that, though, Kindra, when you go back and you look at the situation, which eventually we got to see, um, it it is a red card, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and, you know, I actually in real time... I didn't think it was a red because I couldn't tell by the first angle. They showed really the depth perception. Not that that changes the intent of what young goose did, but if the guy is six feet behind him and he swings his arm, it feels like a little less intent, but the guy was literally right behind him. I think he's very lucky that he didn't make contact. I think if he would have actually made contact that he would have received more games, Um, probably after the fact but I do think it's the red card you could tell he was frustrated the guy's ripping the ball out of his arm we all know tempers are flying at that point it's the 88th minute um you know there's emotion there's energy so I don't claim to say that I you know necessarily would do anything differently you can understand the competitive nature and what Jan is dealing with and I don't, when someone touches the ball, takes the ball from you, rubs the other guy's head, whatever it is that they do, I don't, that would drive me nuts. That would drive me crazy as a player. So I can understand Jan's frustration, but you got to try to keep your cool there. The intent was there. He didn't make contact, but the intent was there for violent conduct. It's a red
0: card. Yeah. Um, And now Minnesota will go up against Columbus Crew without Jan Gregus. We'll discuss that a little more uh, later on in the podcast in more detail, but one would, probably assume your Hayes, if he's available, would be the one to slot in. Let's talk about the headlines in Major League Soccer, shall we, Kindra? I have to ask you, because I know it's an area that's close to your heart. What on earth is going on in San Jose? Not only have they lost by seven goals to one to the Sounders in recent weeks, over the weekend, they lost by six goals to one to Portland Timbers. At what point do the boards and the people in charge at San Jose start to to really think about, well, this isn't working and we perhaps need to to change something here?
1: You know, I think where I struggle with this is I believe it was two to one at halftime. And so... I mean the end result is the end result. And you know, if they hadn't lost to Seattle seven to one, you know, a couple games earlier, then maybe we'd be talking about this differently. But he went with a completely different lineup, changed the back line again, and and everyone wants to credit Matias Almeida. And I can understand it too. When you have a system and you believe in that system and you hold true to that system there's something about that where you appreciate that as a coach because or a manager because it doesn't always happen these days or a lot of guys say oh, yeah, this is the way we want to play. We want to keep the ball and possess it on the ground. Well, so does everybody. But do you actually play the way you say you're going to play? Do you actually throw the system out there? And he does. He lives and dies by it. I mean, he's going to die on this sword, Matias Almeida. The problem is if you don't have the players that support the system you want to play. And as you have injuries, as issues come up throughout the season – You know, and we've seen some real glimpses of really good play from the San Jose Earthquakes when this system is working like it's supposed to, everybody's healthy and you're going in the right direction. We saw it in the MLS's back tournament where they're pinging the ball around and you're like, wow, this is fun to watch. But then we've seen it more often than not completely fall apart. And at some point as a manager, you're also going to be recognized and complimented for recognizing when it's not working and changing. You cannot make players play in a way that they can't play. You have to adjust your system and your style and your lineup to what you have available to you. And that is something he's going to have to figure out is something he's going to have to accept. And I think he's extremely stubborn and it's not working with this group. It's just not, it's worked other places. He's been, it's not working with this, but is it, is it a Matias Almeida thing or is it, is it a Jesse Fiorinelli thing? Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesse's now been around for how many coaches he's the one who's making this roster. He's creating this roster for the most part. He's put together this roster over time. Matias clearly has had his stamp on a couple of the players that he's brought in that were former players of his, but you know, at some point, it's kind of a collaboration here. And I think, you know, you just wonder how what the job security of Jesse Fiorenelli is at this point. And why are they not getting anybody in this transfer window? Right. Why have they not made any changes? I mean, they've been pretty poor this entire 2020 season, except for a hand, a couple bright spots. I just don't understand why they're not making changes to this roster. Now they've lost a couple more guys to injuries as
0: well. The thing is as well, Kayla, what – in in that situation, when you walk into the locker room after another substantial defeat like that, what, what do you say to the players as a coach? And, and, and as a player, are, are you starting to doubt what the coach is saying?
1: I would 100%. I mean, we all know winning cures a lot of things. And there's a there's an element of sticking together through the tough times that is what makes you strong. But having two defeats like that, in nearly the same manner. Now at halftime of Seattle, I think it was already like five, nothing. So they were already kind of done and dusted by the time halftime rolled around this one, the wheels fall off late, but he made changes to the lineup. I don't know. It just seems like guys are playing out of position. You still have some key pieces in there, like a Jackson, Ewell, like a Judson. They lost Erickson. He went back home. Um, you know, I think Houston's hurt. They lost one of their center backs in the last game who wasn't that great to begin with, but they lost him, so I I think that there's just you have to you have to almost shake your head because I remember reading quotes and hearing reading some of the stories after the seven one loss of Wando and Matias like the loss just made them sick. They've never suffered defeats like this in their whole career, and now to suffer this one. I mean, yes. If you're going to start questioning the coach and the system and the decisions being made. Absolutely, when you're getting absolutely pounded like that. And I think that's natural as an athlete. It's natural as a as a player to question what is going on when you're getting pummeled like this and these kinds of decisions are being made.
0: interesting as well, isn't it, Kate? I wonder is there an identity issue there because and it's ironic I say that because it's something they've worked on so vigorously for so long under Almeida when actually Particularly when you go on the road in this league as well. Let's just use that Sounders game, for example, when they lost 7 1. It's okay to be a little direct. It's okay to play five at the back and and go 5 3 2 or whatever you want. But there does feel as though that in this situation, Matias Almeida is so set on what he wants to do. And at the end of the day, as you said, it, it could very well cost him his job.
1: It could, absolutely, and I do think it's a stubbornness about him, and he's maybe been able to make it work in other leagues and other clubs that he's coached, and and depending on the roster he has with him, but he has to accept that in this league, and especially in these times where you're traveling on the day of a game, in a tough situation, they have a terrible situation in California with the air quality and everything else that they're dealing with as well. And, you know, the, the strength of this team, and we've heard it, I heard it from Shay Salinas in interviews, I've heard it from Tommy Thompson, I've heard it from other players that have talked about this team and this cohesiveness is living and dying by the system. That even if you do what he's asking you to do, play out of the back and keep possession, but you turn the ball over and you get scored on, he's not going to get mad at you because you're doing what he has asked you to do. Well, at some point when there's goals are four, five, six, seven against you because you're trying to play in that system, the guys, the, the body language, the mentality, the chemistry, the character of this team is going to be questioned and they're going to start not only turning on each other, but turning on the coaching staff. And it makes it a real hard to go and do your job every day when you're miserable and you're not sure if you're going to go out and get absolutely thumped. As a professional in this league, you don't want to be embarrassed. You have pride. But, yeah, I mean, he's got to accept that there are times. Like, you can't throw everybody up on a corner kick, you know, and have one of the slowest guys back, and then they almost get beat every time when it goes out the other way. I mean, we've seen it happen now five or six times. There's just certain decisions where you're like, why are you still doing this the same way? What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I feel like that's what Matias is doing right now. He doesn't have the roster to do it, and he doesn't have – it's just not working. It's not working in this style and in this year, in 2020, in this system. And He's got to make a change. We'll see if he accepts that.
0: Yeah, I do wonder if we're about to see a handful of recruitments at San Jose. One area and one team that have made a recruitment, and not that they needed it, but it is the current MLS champions, Seattle Sounders, brought in Australian international Brad Smith. Kim, you and I spoke about this possibility about two months ago when we first heard a little whisper on the international transfer market. And um he after leaving Seattle when he won MLS Cup, he went back to England. Bournemouth immediately sent him on loan to Cardiff City in the championship where he did very well. Um, this deal took a little longer to, to get done, to my knowledge. COVID played its parts, of course, but there was a lot of interest from English clubs. But the way I understand it is once the idea of coming back to Seattle was presented... He had very little hesitation at all. He said in an interview that he missed Seattle. He missed Major League Soccer. There's lots of fabulous selling points to go and live in Seattle and play for the Sounders in a normal world in front of 60,000 people every day. But, Kendra, this is essentially a case of the rich getting richer, is it not?
1: It is. And, and I mean, uh, you know, Seattle had their own struggles at the beginning of the season, or at least during MLS's back. I think we all maybe thought that they didn't look great at that moment. And there were some places, clearly the center backs, again, were an issue who – Who knew that you would miss an aging veteran like Chad Marshall as much as they have with their rotation at center backs, but they did. And so I think that that left back position when Brad Smith was in there was kind of one of those consistency points for them. The fact that you knew what you were going to get game in and game out from Brad Smith and, and Seattle's hitting their stride. Now, now they're really seem to be flying on all cylinders. Big win against LAFC. Clearly we just talked about the win against San Jose earthquakes, but doing everything right from an attacking standpoint, moving the ball. Jordan Morris looks good. Roldan's hitting his stride. Ladero is healthy. You know, um, Rui Diaz is scoring the goals that they're expecting. And so yeah, the rich keep getting richer and now they've added a left back with, an attacking ability. I mean, he's more in the offensive third of the field, I think, or half of the field than he is in the defensive half of the field. And this is a win-win for both sides. I mean, he flat out said, like, it was difficult for me to leave Seattle. The whole time he was in England, which is normally where everybody wants to be playing soccer. He was thinking about being back in Seattle and, and felt at home there. He loved it there. He had a comfort level there. I think Schmetzer is an easy guy to play for. I don't know him personally, but conversations I've had with him when I've done other broadcasts, he seems like a guy that players want to play for. And he's honest. He's straightforward with them. And I think Smith was missing being in Seattle with this club, even though, you know, the roster has changed over time. Great fit. Great for him to be back. You know, a pleasure to watch in the league. Not going to be great to play against if we ever see Seattle. But it is, he's, a, he's a fun player to watch and it'll be good for Seattle there.
0: And just finally, Kendra, briefly, we have to give kudos to Inter-Miami, claiming their first away victory. This one came at a really struggling Atlanta United.
1: Well, Atlanta United, holy moly. Let's, you know, Mm -hmm. we could spend a whole podcast on that. But just talking about Inter-Miami, yes. You know, are are things starting to go in the right direction for them? That's without... Iguain in the lineup, but you wonder if even just knowing that he's been added to your club, if that adds a little bit of a spark, a little bit of a confidence to your team. And, and maybe it's just, again, they're an expansion team, even though they had high expectations, high hopes, everybody's putting pressure on them to spend the big money, sign the big names. It takes time to get your feet under you. And, you know, especially in 2020 with this craziness going on. So good for them. And I can't wait to see Iguain on the field because I think it's going to be fun to watch.
0: Okay, Kidrup, thank you for now. Stay with us on the Match Preview podcast. Next up, we'll hear from the newest loon, Kai Kamara, as we take a look forward to Columbus Crew. While team sports may be sidelined right now, team spirit is going strong. Alina Health and Minnesota United have teamed up to support the frontline caregivers at Alina Health. Learn how you can help by visiting alinahealth.org forward slash caring for caregivers. And a very warm welcome back to our Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Aubin, as always. And Kindra, it was obvious there was a need for Minnesota United, and that need was up front. They were lacking goals, and they've addressed that with perhaps the best man possible, the fifth all-time leading goal scorer in Major League Soccer. Kai Kamara joins Minnesota United and joins us now on the podcast. Kai, thank you very much
2: for joining. How are you? Uh, I'm great. After a welcome... Uh... Uh, introduction like that, I, I love that. Um, it's a it's a bit surreal to be really to um, be here because I felt like we just spoke me and you guys uh, before. Maybe it was the bubble and then we talked about games and talking about me scoring against Minnesota, which actually did happen that game too. So, and all of a sudden I'm here, so it's a bit surreal. But thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We're delighted to have you, Kai.
0: Looking forward to you scoring a lot of goals here. Let me ask you this. I know uh, as soon as you and I spoke, you you had said to me that, you know, there was other interest in you. But as soon as you were aware that Minnesota was a possibility, it was the place you wanted to come.
2: Why was that? Uh, I think it goes way back, really, to, um, you know, the coaching staff. You know, Adrian Heath, somebody that I've known or I've never worked with him. But, you know, a player that I really liked and, you know, worked together, Dumb Dwyer. And when he went to Orlando, when I was supposed to be the one going to Orlando and seeing the style of play and how he actually, you know, he did well for that team when Adrian was there. And I kind of followed the style and how Adrian's been coaching. And I'm a box striker. You know, I'm a striker that wants to be in the box. And I've seen the, most of the games actually Minnesota have played, I've watched. And, uh, you know, I, I I was super excited. I heard other teams were interested. But. After all those years that, you know, maybe one day I can play, you know, underneath a coach um, like Adrian, um, when this opportunity then came about to me, you know, I was just happy that, you know, all the, the ins and outs got worked out. And, uh, and I drove 15 hours to come meet the, <laughs> the staff over here.
1: What is that like when you come to a team in the middle of a season, even though you've been watching the games, but not just any season, also twenty twenty and the craziness of this season. so what's it like how How difficult is it to get in the flow, get in the rhythm and and kind of connect with the guys on a short notice in the middle of the season?
2: Yeah, this one's gonna be tough um it's gonna be tough, but you know being in the in the league for so long, hopefully. I'm able to adapt to it a little bit faster. That's the messages I've been getting from everyone really like, uh, are you sure? Uh, Did you run the goat? You know, why are you going in these things? But I said, yeah, for sure. I'm sure it's a team that's, that's done well. They did well in the bubble. That was, you know, we've, we've had basically three different seasons. Um, They did, you know, well over there. I watched the, the games and obviously right now where they are in the table. And I then saw, I mean, I know Aaron Seanfield too, who's, you know, somebody I played with over in, in, in Columbus and uh, the new striker that came in, too. Obviously, I've known that. And, and but to myself, looking at the competition, and I said, I want to be in a team like that, that has competition, you know, in the front, uh, in, the, in the front guys, the strikers. So, you know, we can push each other because, you know, I'm playing this game. I've played in the MLS for so long. I always tell myself every year, every year I want to win. I want to win. I want to win, win something. So. And this is, you know, not sugarcoating it, but it's a group that I see that has that edge to push, you know, over the the hurdles to make sure, you know, it's a championship team. And, you know, like I say, I'm not sugarcoating it. That's the reason why I'm here. And hopefully, even with this short time, tar- this short time that I'll have to adapt to the system and how they play, but you know, I'm able to 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 bring my own contribution to help the guys out. You've played in multiple
0: systems, whether it's in Major League Soccer or in the Premier League in the UK. How do you feel you can be in this system? What can you contribute and how excited are you to have those players that will be the supporting cast and feeding you the service?
2: Yeah, uh, on and off the field, Cal. On and off the field, that's what I want to do. You know, like I said, I've spent a lot of energy... On different teams in different places you know and really hoping to to be part of something good something great that you know that would then um become a legacy later on for myself and so i've been in search for that over and over and again like i said the position that the team is in and the way that i saw this team has been playing it's good it's good i'm a box striker that's one and one of the guys i've actually played with that we both had the really good years is ethan finley and with the delivery and the box and stuff like that but you know, not just that. You know, I hear some good stuff from um, I'm um, Pronounce his name right, so Um, some good stuff about the connections that he wants to have with the center striker. But sorry, I can name everybody on the team. You know, Toya. I've been watching him for a while. I actually, spoke to him uh, a little while back and said, told him, you know, how much I like. Uh, again, we're both, you know, tall strikers, and you know, so to be around, you know, people like that, and I know there's abilities there. I just want to bring my own you know, strength, which is in the box and, you know, in scoring goals and hopefully not just that, but, you know, join the locker room, join the locker room and make the locker room stronger. You know, I'm sure it's a good locker room, positive locker room. So, you know, whatever I can add into that too, to, to really create, you know, a special caliber team, that's, that's, that's the only reason why I took this, this next couple months to say, yes, I'll, I'll take the adventure to come here.
1: What do you attribute your longevity in this league and in this sport to? And there's only what a couple of you now that are on the all-time goal-scoring list in the top five that are even still playing. It might just be you and Wando, unless I'm wrong on that. But what do you what do you attribute your
2: longevity to in this league? Ah, uh, I mean, I I I tell the younger guys too it's consistency really, and it's you know it's not just. <laughs> about you wanting to do something and playing five games. And so it's like, how consistent can you be for 10 games and more games than that? But um, I love the work. I love the work. I love, I love, you know, the locker rooms and, you know, pushing each other. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I say it to myself all the time that, you know, I'm not a babysitter, you know, I can be a babysitter, but I'll be a mean babysitter. You know, that's really what it is. I love everybody else around me, but I'm going to be harsh on you. And I want you to give it to me back that if I'm not doing something good. And I think that's the only way we can push each other to go forward. But I like the competition that I could have with, you know, the different players and the different people and teams. Um, so that if I can have that, it will help push you individually. And again, yes, I want to score goals, but the individual goals that I have, it's also, you know, a team goal because we need goals to win games and, uh, If I can get goals, I mean, somebody else gave me an assist, which means I'm helping that person out, too. So, you know, together, I I believe that that's that's what we can do. Um, And, you know, longevity in this league. um, Yes. A few numbers of years now, but I'm still in the hunt for one thing, and that's an MLS Cup. So hopefully and I, I keep finding myself in a in a in a locker room that, you know, wants to push themselves to get to that. Kai, you've been in
0: Minnesota not even a handful of days yet, and you're on the road to one of your former clubs, Columbus Crew, this coming Wednesday. How difficult is that going to be for you to adapt and have to understand your teammates very quickly?
2: Yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. I mean, you know, driving 15 hours was not easy. You know, this this COVID rule, it's it's all over the place, but. Um, having to drive 15 hours to come in and they're like, well, actually you have to quarantine for 72 hours. I was like, wait, what you have me drive that long enough to quarantine. So I, I won't get to see the, the, the guys or get to, you know, uh, full training with the guys. But again, it's about sitting with the coaching staff so I can get um, uh, more details. This is where the soccer education comes in, you know, where most of the stuff have to be, you know, learned on paper or videos and to tell me how, you know, we're going to go to Columbus and uh, how I can participate um, in Columbus to to be effective. You know, I know I watched uh, a little bit of, you know, highlights from the last game, obviously in Houston, very, uh, very, very, very close one. And I wish we would have came out of it with all three points. But to me, really, it's just just use my physics that, I, that I've been using over and over. And I'm sure most of the guys are familiarized to it. And I know, you know, most of the guys that play here and see how the style of play is. But the best way I can adapt to it for this game in Columbus, you know, I'm going to try my best um, depending on how much time I get to play in the game. But I know, you know, with a week in or so, then, you know, my adaptation will be a lot smoother.
1: I know, Kai, you describe yourself a lot as a box striker in the past couple seasons. Minnesota has really been the style of whipping the ball in from the wings, whether it's Chase Gasper, Roma Metanair, and then they've added Renoso, who you just talked about. And you've got Robin Lud, Kevin Molino, Ethan Finley. How do you see yourself fitting in as a striker when those guys are maybe underneath you on the field? How do you play in that number nine role with when the ball is coming from the middle of the pitch and not from the wings or not from a set piece? How do you combine with those guys?
2: Yeah. See, those are that's that's huge that you can say that many players, you know, and usually when you have teams, you might might want to, you know, you just list that one or two players that has, you know, deliveries in the box, but that's the positive thing to to know. And some of the things that I was considering, you know, hearing anything that maybe I can play for Minnesota, it's the, the production that it is from, you know, most of those guys. And it comes to, from us, the, the strike force, you know, like I said, the rest of the guys that's playing number nine on the team, uh, I know with a couple of knocks and injuries at the moment, but you know, it's teaming up with those guys too. So I can kind of understand, you know, what they've been doing. I'm not coming in just you know, uh, 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 be the boss. That's definitely not, but you know, I do have my ability using it, which is, you know, being in the box. So it's rewarding, rewarding. I want to reward um, the other guys that's going to play a ball in the box and score a goal. Because when I do that, it encourages um, the next person to feel comfortable to serve that ball again. Uh, but it's, it's, it's pressure, but I call it good pressure. You know, as a striker, you want to have four or five chances in the game. You don't want just that one chance because you know, you want to consistently, well, actually four or five in one half so you can have more in the next half so the more you can have is good but if you can reward people for 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 creating those chances for you you know it gives them a confidence to say okay you know what let's keep doing that but you know it's not just about the goal scoring too, you know I, i i say to myself which uh fifa actually does me wrong fifa that's the video games um they do me wrong in defending but I think I'm, I'm one of the best, you know, defenders when it comes to set plays defensively for my team, too. So, yeah, I own up to that.
0: Guy, I know you've had limited time with the coaching staff, but during that period where you have been able to have a conversation with them, what have they asked of you and what have they said to you in terms of your roles both on and off the field?
2: I think, I think the most uh, important one, which I really appreciate, was to check on me and say, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, how's your body? Yes, we know you haven't played in two weeks or so, um, but how's that? And I really, really appreciated that. It wasn't just one of those when it's, hey, come here and, you know, we're going to put you in right away. You know, checking on me, um, you know, and that's that's really important. But uh, also we do have an appointment to sit down so I can, you know, take a look at some some videos and, you know, some style of plays and stuff like that, which, you know, those are things that I can't wait to really sit down and, and hear. But like I said, it's, it's a team that I've watched. It's, I've watched Minnesota for a long time. I, and, you know, not just sort of the fans of Minnesota. Obviously, I'm going to love it here. But, you know, I've followed kind of Adrian and, and, and the style of play and how he's been doing stuff for a long time. Maybe, you know, it's maybe because I played in England too, so I've already appreciated that. So I've, I've, I was always excited. And we haven't really talked too much in details yet, but I know he has this expectation for me and not just being, hey, big guy be in the box, but I'm sure he has some other things off the field that he's going to want me to to participate in um, to make sure we help the group uh, continue to go forward.
1: I have to ask, Kai, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your wife and your children as you've, you know, been on different teams and moved around the country and across the border and everything else. How are they taking uh, the news, the change, and how excited are you going to be to, you know, get them to Minnesota and just what a support system they've been?
2: Oh yeah, no, great! It's it's the best thing about uh, about having a family. It's like you know they make you you know happy, no matter what's happening. You know, wife's been uh, she's a champ, to be honest. Three kids, and uh, the only thing I can do when I left for my drive here was make sure I fix this big old trampoline in my backyard and tell them it's like, okay, here you go. I'm giving you something else that'll keep the kids busy. While I'm gone, <laughs> so. But um, Kristen is Kristen is awesome. She's doing good. that kids are just like, when are when are we coming to see you? Because they just want to fly. Because it's been a while since they were actually on a flight. So they want to know <laughs> what it feels like. But um, it's good. And so I can't wait for them to join me here in Minnesota. I'm sure they're gonna love it. But at the at the time now, um, kids are in school, so we'll keep them in Colorado for a little bit. Finally, Kai, before we let you
0: go, we appreciate your time. Obviously, Columbus Crew on the horizon. It's a very different Columbus Crew to the one that you played on several years ago. I think it's only four players that you played with that are remaining there, so a very different look side. Um, But that doesn't mean they, they they don't have plenty up their sleeve. They're a decent side, top of the Eastern Conference. What do you expect? What should we expect from Columbus Crew on Wednesday?
2: Yeah, like you mentioned, they're they're good. They're a good team, man. I was actually shocked uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was watching the game. Maybe before Chicago game when they played. To knowing that they have only allowed I think it was one goal for such a long time, and which means you again defensively they're they're sound, and that when they're doing that and the kind of offensive power that they do have, they're scoring goals every game. So that's really helping them out. So, yeah, for us, I mean, again, I'm a striker and I'm an offensive player and we're going against a team that I know defensively, they're making, you know, very limited mistakes. So you're going to have to be very, very clean into, you know, every little chance that you do get. So it's not easy to be top of the table. They're there. So they have a little bit of a swagger in the way they play and they're going to be home and in which I I think Columbus is one of the places to have fans also. So all those things kind of go into their, you know, their favor and their play, but hey, I'm a new guy around these locker rooms, but I'm not a new guy in this league. So I'm looking, I know, I still know most of those guys, Harrison Affle, Jonathan Mensah, a bunch of the guys that played there, Williams, and, you know, a couple of things that I can share with my teammates here to go into that game. Um, I hope they don't mind, you know, but I'm going to be snitching on them a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Kai, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And congratulations on the move and welcome to Minnesota.
2: Thanks, guys. See you guys later.
0: That is Kai Kamara, the new striker for Minnesota United, who I think it's safe to say, Kendra, will come into this side with plenty of expectation, but he seems to welcome it and welcome the pressure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's another piece of the puzzle that's made his success in this league and continued his longevity is the fact that he has that competitive side of him, not just against the opponent, but within his own team, trying to get in that position to be the starting striker and also just within himself. I mean, I think any good athlete who's at the top of their game at any moment is pushing themselves and even competing against themselves. What is their own best? How do they improve game in and game out? And so he welcomes the expectations. I think he welcomes the pressure. He talks about it being a good pressure. And But he also understands and knows it's not easy coming into a new team, and especially in the middle of a season, and especially in the middle of 2020. So um, if there's anybody who can adapt and adjust, it's probably him because he has seen his fair share of, of moves around the league. And um, I think you know the goal scoring is something that Minnesota United is missing and also just a, a position of need for as far as depth is concerned with the injuries.
0: It will be very interesting to see how he does we're assuming he'll get the start in Columbus but as we heard him just say he hasn't played for two weeks as well so we'll, we'll wait and see the one thing I saw Kendra, earlier on this week out of his 129 goals in Major League Soccer 36% of them have been with his head now Minnesota still to my knowledge are one of the top three teams in Major League Soccer to deliver the ball from wide areas, which has always been what Adrian Heath has wanted. But for so, so long, they've lacked anybody who can really attack the ball in mid-flight like Kai Kamara can. Should everything go well for this move, it could very well be viewed as one of the most astute pieces of business Minnesota have done this year, couldn't it?
1: Well, I think that to me, it's going to be too about how he just changes the dimension of the offense. Because before, I think when Minnesota United was trying to whip the ball in from the wings, it was very. It was a very one-dimensional attack. That was your only op- option with nobody to get on the end of it. And everybody at defenses could play against you and know that that's what was coming. You know, you could have 37 crosses in a game and maybe get on the end of one, one or two times. Whereas now having the ability and the threat centrally of a Kai Kamara to get on the end of a set piece or a ball whipped in, but you also have the threat coming up the middle of the pitch with Reynoso, with Lode, with Kevin Molino, with whoever might be on the field centrally, I think it just gives another dimension to this team. And if, if Kai Kamara can do what he's done the last... You know, not just in his career, but even as we talk about the later stages of his career, if you look at his goals, the last three seasons still in double digits. Um, this year, he's only gotten three goals, but he's also kind of been, you know, not the the first choice striker in the sense that Colorado's been trying to go younger um, in who they've been putting out there. I think if he can step in and do what he has done. The last two, three, four, five years, double-digit goals, finding the end of the set pieces, scoring at any point in the game, always being a threat. You've got Jan Gregus, you've got Renoso, you've got people that can serve the ball in on set pieces and corner kicks and just in the run of play. I just think it adds another dimension to the offense, whereas before when the ball was being whipped in, it was a one-dimensional kind of attack. Now Adrian Heath has it on both sides. He's got the ability to be a threat in the box with the ball whipped in, and he's also got the ability to possess through the middle of the pitch You know, with the ball at your feet and the ticky-tack play, as Adrian likes to call it, with the guys like a Renoso, Kevin Lode, Lode that would be interesting, Kevin Molino, Robin Lode being able to combine up the middle of the pitch. So I think it's a good – it just creates more options. It's more choices going forward, which is what any MLS team wants.
0: Sounds very excited to link up with Emmanuel Reynoso as well. That uh, could be very, very good for Minnesota United if it is successful. Before we move on to talk about Columbus Crew, Kendra, um, I just want to highlight an individual who I think has been um, unfairly, but but uh, it is what it is, the situation at the moment, and thrust into the starting eleven, perhaps a little sooner than he would have expected to, and that is Dane St. Clair who I thought was good again against Houston Dynamo. And we forgot to mention in segment one that he actually saved a very well-taken penalty by Darwin Quintero. And it seems as though, Kindra, this trajectory that Dane St. Clair is only going one way, and that's up.
1: Yeah, and I think it was even Stuart Kerr, the goalkeeping coach, had tweeted something out either later that night or the next day after that match saying, like, you know, penalty saves are always fantastic. But then he highlighted a different save that Dane St. Clair had made and how difficult that save was in the timing. And um, you and I talked about it several times the last two matches in particular, the Kansas City game and the Houston game, of just his timing and his ability to come off the line and read the play and the angles And um, his ability to move side to side and get up and down quickly, even, you know, with his height and his kind of lankiness, his long limbs. And I think that um, the team feels so comfortable with him back there. He's very confident. I know we talked about it being borderline cocky, but not in a bad way. I mean, as a goalkeeper, you have to go into every match, every challenge, every game, assuming that you can shut anybody down. And if you look at the opposition nowadays, that is where everybody is spending their money is on the attacking pieces. So the goalkeepers have to have that mindset. And Dane St. Clair has that, but in a positive way, in a good way, not an overconfident way. And just knowing that he has the abilities, even at this young age, to make the stops, to make the big saves, to keep his team in games, to possibly win games for his club. And I think that, you know, it's been fun to see that maturation process. I remember the day he was drafted and talking to him at the draft, you know, in his bow tie and just the excitement and his kind of, you know, giddiness on his face to be going to the next level after playing with Maryland. And I think, you know, it's, he's getting his chance. though. He's getting his opportunity and he's making the most of it. And I think, you know, all good things to come for Dane St. Clair. And I know he's really well liked in the locker room as well, which sometimes is half the battle, especially as a youngster. And in that kind of a position as a goalkeeper. So good for him. Um, big time saves. It's it's been fun to watch him and man, the safes he's come up with. I'm telling you, the timeliness of coming off his line. He's had to do it so many times the last two games. And it's gonna continue with Giasi's artists on, on Wednesday.
0: Yes, it will. Before we talk about the crew and their eleven, what we expect them to do. Minnesota, of course, will be shorthanded. Jan Grego suspended after a red card against Houston Dynamo. We would expect Jacori Hayes to come and fill in straight away, right?
1: Yeah, I mean I think Jacory's done really well to come in and step in and and fill the a, feel a role in midfield. He's not filling Kevin Molino's shoes. um He's not stepped in in the past and filled in for Jan Greguš as as a you know a identical substitution or a Dotser and Ozzy Alonzo. But he does kind of brings his own flair to the game. And I'm hoping that he's healthy. I'm hoping that he's totally fit and ready to go because we did see that he took a little bit of a knock in the game against Kansas City, but was able to withstand most of the match and came in in that game against Houston. So. I think he's another one of those players that kind of plays above his age. You forget that he's only 24 now um, and he's just has a maturity about him on the ball. And I think he'll, he'll do just fine in there. You know, I think he's more attacking. I don't think he's going to spray the long balls and switch the field side to side as much as Jan does Of course, Jan kind of sits in that hole and kind of sprays it right and left. I think Ja'Cory will get the ball more on his foot, go forward, get in the attack if needed. And him and Hassani, if, if Hassani is the one sitting next to him, will do a really good job of kind of sharing that load offensively and defensively because both have the ability to go forward and attack.
0: Just four goals conceded for Columbus crew throughout the entirety of this 2020 campaign. Um, we're not entirely sure if Darlington Nagbe is going to be available or not. There's one or two players that seem to be in and out of the injury report that we are seeing consistently. Nevertheless, though, Kindra, as a unit, they are undoubtedly one of the best teams in major league soccer and perhaps a surprise to many at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's kind of a mixed bag because going into the season uh, before the shutdown, I'm not really sure if people knew exactly what to make of it with Caleb Porter getting more time under his belt. You know, again, Darlington Nagbe be back in the fold for him. They signed Zalari on. You weren't really sure. Everyone knew how good he was supposed to be, but you don't always know how it's going to translate into this league. And then at the same time, you saw all of a sudden they go to the MLS's back tournament in Orlando and it seems like ages ago, but they lit the world on fire there. They looked so good. The possession, the attack, the defense, um, highly touted with Jonathan Mensa, the captain sitting in the center center back position. And it seemed like even when Zellerion went out with an injury, even if Nagby missed a match here or there, other guys were stepping in. Santos was stepping I don't even know if I'm saying that name right. We've talked about Santas versus <laughs> Santo, you know, whatever. But he stepped in really nicely and done well. And Giazzi's artist, once again, just scoring goals like he knows he can. So um, I'm hearing Darlington may be, maybe may not be in the fold, but you know what? They seem to be winning games regardless, without him in the mix. And, um, yeah, four goals conceded. Two were in Chicago you know, a couple weeks ago. So prior to that, they had this ridiculous, if I read my notes right, their last home loss was July 6th of 2019. If I'm reading my notes right. So they are on quite the roll and Caleb Porter has got this team clicking on all cylinders. It's going to be a massive challenge for the Loons to go on the road with their injuries and play this team.
0: Yeah, can Minnesota United claim an away victory? And it would be perhaps the most impressive away victory should they claim it at Columbus Crew. You can join us 6 p.m. Central Time on Fox Sports North. Plus, as Columbus Crew take on Minnesota United.